0: Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. A few years ago, when Roxanne was new to this church, I asked her what she thought of worship here since she was from a tradition where the worship was a lot different. She said, Oh, it's great uh, because I've always wanted my life to be like a musical where you never know when people are just going to start singing. And, and this church is kind of like that. The first couple chapters of Luke's Gospel are also kind of like that. It's part of a, of the Bible which reads like perhaps it was written by Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> because characters just bust out singing all over the place. And the church has a long history of acting like it's in a musical, mostly in her practice of daily prayer when the church sings canticles, which are songs that are in Scripture, Like in Luke 1, when Elizabeth is visited by Mary, Elizabeth sings a song that's now known as the Hail Mary. And then in response, Mary sings her own song called the Magnificat, which we sang here Wednesday night, which actually is sung every day at Vespers. And then in the second chapter of Luke, Simeon, when holding the eight-day-old Christ child in his arms, fills the temple with his song called the Dimittis, which has been sung by countless centuries of the faithful in Compline, which is the last prayer before retiring to bed. But the song that we sang today as our psalm belongs to Zechariah, husband to Elizabeth, and father to John the Baptist. And it's called the Benedictus, and in the life of the church, it's a song of freedom that's sung every day at Lodz, which is early morning prayer. And here is the backstory, because I realized this week, of an enormous injustice, we have a set of assigned readings we follow along with you know, a lot of the rest of the church called the lectionary, and Zechariah's story never shows up in the lectionary. So I am defying the lectionary gods (laughs) who don't want you to know the story of (laughs) Zechariah. So here's the backstory. Zechariah was an old, childless priest doing his priestly duty and burning incense in the temple when the archangel Gabriel appeared before him, which sounds nice having angels visit you, but we aren't talking about the little chubby baby angels of bad Hallmark cards here. (laughs) We're talking a powerful heavenly being who strikes fear in the hearts of everyone he visits. If that wasn't true, he wouldn't have to start out every conversation with human beings by going, oh gosh, don't be afraid. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, the archangel Gabriel tells Zechariah the craziest thing. He says that Zachariah's wife, Elizabeth, would conceive a son named John who would make ready a people prepared for the Lord, as in Zachariah's old barren wife, Elizabeth. And instead of just shutting up and nodding his head deferentially, Zachariah does what I'm pretty sure I would do. He questions the angel's authority. <laughs> Zachariah says, uh... Are you sure? Because seriously, my wife is like, "Oh."
1: <laughs>
0: to which the archangel says, "Human,
1: please."
0: <laughs> and then he proceeds to make Zechariah mute until all these things had taken place, like he said they would. Zechariah mute. It's a beautiful thing. It was like a nine-month timeout for Zechariah. <laughs> He couldn't talk the entire time, which is actually kind of awesome. Because here's the thing. I wonder if Zechariah was reluctant to believe this good news that Elizabeth would bear a son because he thought he already knew his own story. I mean, not that I blame him. I can't imagine I'd be any more faithful than he was I mean, I've said it before, that, like, I know I'm a recovering alcoholic, but what I feel I really suffer from is a disease called FTW, first thought wrong. (laughs) So I feel for Zachariah. But the point is that I wonder if Zachariah had first thought wrong, because... He had become so comfortable with the story that he told himself and others had told him about what his life looks like and what it will always look like, so he couldn't believe another story was even possible. Maybe he was so used to being the childless old couple that even as he had prayed for children, he had actually foreclosed on any other story being possible. So I think maybe that his enforced period of muteness was actually what allowed him to then receive a new story. Because as his elderly wife's belly grew large with child, he couldn't say a word. He just had to receive it. As Elizabeth's kinswoman Mary visited and told of the child she herself carried, and as Zachariah's child leapt in Elizabeth's womb, he could not say a word, he could only receive it. As the transgressive fecundity of God that would change the entire world grew in the unlikely wombs of an old lady and a virgin teenager, he could not say a word, he could only receive it. It was as though God said, You want to see what I'm about? Then shut the hell up. (laughs) Because your old story isn't the story anymore. Maybe this is an invitation for us as well, that we too should take opportunities to just shut up and receive a new story, or maybe just a whole new way of understanding the old story. Because maybe... Your old story is simply not the final edition. Maybe your old story is one codependent relationship after the other. And maybe the only reason that's your story is because that's what your mom did or that's what your dad did and it's all you know. Or maybe you're so much older than people normally are when they realize they're gay and for decades you've tried unsuccessfully to be straight not knowing that anything else, any other story was possible. Or maybe your old story that you think is fixed in stone is that you aren't someone who has real faith or who has anything to give or who is so strong they can't show any vulnerability. Maybe when our opinions and neuroses, and pride, and expectations about what we don't deserve die down. Maybe when we just shut the hell up and sit in the quiet of Advent, we might begin to see where something else is actually possible. Something waiting to be born in an unlikely time and place. Something like like the conception, birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ itself. What was the Christ event if not God telling the world that a different story is possible? That God was, is, and will continue to be redeeming all of creation through means the world will never see, accept, or get on board with. Means like pregnant old ladies and messiahs born amongst sheep and straw and loving the enemy and forgiveness of sins and self-giving love and resurrection of wounded bodies things we just can't perceive until we shut up for a while and receive a new story. It was a gift, really, this muteness of of Zacharias, perhaps the fact that he had no other choice but to silently watch and listen. Maybe that's what prepared him to burst forth in song when he was finally able to speak. Because when his tongue was finally loosened, He did not use it to justify himself or defend his position or yammer on about things. Having been silent and watchful and receptive to the unexpected story of God, when Zechariah finally could speak again, he did so in the only way he could at that point, by singing praises to God. And really, what else could he have done? Perhaps this is the gift of silence. It shuts off our brains enough for us to receive a new story. And like Zachariah, to worship fully. See, as this community joins other Christians in this Advent conspiracy, we're seeking four things. Spend less, give more, love all, and worship fully. And I think worshiping fully Looks like Zachariah, after nine months of silence, singing praises to God when he holds his miracle son, John, who would be the Baptist. That is true worship. Worship isn't vapidly stroking God's ego as though God has low self-esteem and created us to remind him how great he is. (laughs) But real worship, true worship, is to be the creature of God's creating living into the terrifying beauty of what's possible without what's possible being fettered by what's come before. That would be why we always begin with the confession and absolution. Because to be creatures of God's creating, living into the terrifying beauty of what's possible without what's possible being fettered by what's come before, that is real worship. To sing of the very God who is not content to simply stand at a distance, but who insistently draws near to us in an unexpected child in the waters of baptism in bread and wine and a table and in a community of saints gathered around God's story. Advent is an invitation to be prophets of a different story. An invitation to shut up and watch and listen until we, like Zechariah, can sing the Benedictus, page eight, <laughs> the last four verses. O
1: Emmanuel, God bless you. of their sins. In the center of compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. To shine on those who dwell in darkness